And we're live. How you doing, JG? I'm doing really well, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate having you on. Myself and I think many people in the space have, have questions for what I would deem a successful blockchain startup in the United States. Uh, I don't know if we, meet, if we fill those shoes just yet. We're trying. We're trying real hard. So I know very little about Package Portal. Would, do you have an elevator pitch introduction? Sure, yeah. We incentivize online shoppers to scan their packages when they get them. Uh, and they, they can provide feedback directly to the consumer. Uh, there's a mechanism that, that exists right now, but there's no incentive. So with crypto, with blockchain tokenization, not just crypto, but with tokenization, we can do on-chain or off-chain rewards, loyalty campaign management. And so how does that exist right now without the incentives? Like I, I order things on Amazon all the time. Do I leave a review on Amazon? Is that, mm -hmm. is that what exists now? Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I order Amazon too. My son just got something and it's coming through my account and you'll get an email maybe or a notification within the app that says, uh, I don't know if you can hear that. Sorry about that. There's some, there's some, some sound around here. Uh, you get a notification in the app that says, how was your delivery? Thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, that, that exists. But within the Amazon app, it's a silo that only applies to Amazon merchants and, and consumers there that does not apply to any of the major retailers. And, you know, Walmart, Best Buy, uh, Nordstrom, uh, all, those, all those bigger ones. Some of them do sell on Amazon, but they want to not. They want to house their own data and their own processes. So that's what we enable. We want to facilitate uh, the data exchange between merchants and their consumers directly without any third parties. And what was I reading about how there are services like this, but they, they would charge somewhere in the dollars, whereas when, the way you guys do it, it charges in the cents, for example. Yeah, so for the signature confirmation service, those companies who are paying for uh, a signature confirmation, if you've ever got a package and you'd had to, you know, sign a scan, a scan device from the driver of some sort, uh, whether because it's too expensive or maybe it's, you know, an adult item or something precious to you, you're going to pay. Uh, typically, it's not you that pays, though. It is the merchant who you buy from. If you buy a two, three hundred dollar item online, they will pay the service fee, which is anywhere from five dollars to seven dollars. Uh, FedEx charges six dollars and twenty cents, wow. and I think UPS is five fifty-five for one signature, and none of that goes to the driver uh, or the delivery company. It goes to the delivery company. Uh, the customer is inconvenienced. It's a COVID touch point now. The driver is not incentivized to, to uh, you know, do that and waste that time. They'd rather just leave the package, ring the doorbell, and walk away. Uh, so. All of the inconveniences can be done away with if the consumer can scan the package and confirm right in that moment. Uh, and we can do that with the tech and we can charge, you know, pennies, pennies on the dollar. So this is a classic blockchain makes the whole scenario better for everyone scenario by removing the middleman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what we effectively hope to do. Use tokenization and uh, distributed ledger to be able to remove a middleman, exactly that. The middleman is, is controlling the data. We can just eliminate them. Very cool. So when did you get started and was it immediately on Zillica? It was immediately on Zillica, yeah. Two, 2019 in June is when we first incorporated the company. Uh, the previous New Year's Eve was when I had the, you know, the idea, the, the, the light bulb moment. Yeah. 
Um, I started sketching some things, and then I just sat on it for a few months, thinking, okay, but how would how would this work? I was just questioning and probing my my idea for flaws and trying to identify how it's going to fail. Uh, and after four four months of, of of really examining those, you know, the SWAT, the strengths and weaknesses, and and, and threats. Um, I had a, another light bulb moment and said, we just do it like this. A typical thing at work happened. We needed a signature. My broker wanted me to send my driver three miles away to go have somebody sign a piece of paper. Mm. And what are, we, what, what are we doing with that piece of paper? Right. You know, who's going to file that? Where is it going? This is a digital age. That is not going to work any longer. And so uh, that's when we began to start really designing the concepts and how we can go to market. Right on, right on. And Zillica, because uh, I, I, I had I'd stumbled into crypto. You can see here I'm at my facility. I've got a delivery company. And one of my drivers a few years ago, in uh, actually right at the, the previous bull market peak, January of, 27, of 2018, uh, 2018, is when he told me about Tron. He said, I made $40,000 off of $1,500 by buying this token called Tron. And I said, tell me more. Yeah. Uh, and I found out really quick I did not want any Tron. After I spent three <laughs> weeks doing my due diligence in the market trying to find out what is crypto, what are smart contracts, and what is what is tokenization. And and um, I, I quickly, within that first three-week period, I stumbled on the Zillica. It was, it was one of the first wow. smart contract-based uh, projects that I – because I was seeking that out. I found out about Ethereum smart contracts, and I was like, man, this is going to revolutionize the world. Smart contracts will kill middlemen, decentralize everything. Um, how can I get in? And at the time, I just wanted to buy enough tokens to, to ride the wave into, you know, riches and, <laughs> and uh, crypto wealth. But the more I began understanding smart contracts in those first few weeks, I was, I was, I was astounded. But I realized that with crypto kitties, the gas, we need something scalable. So uh, it just so happens that at the same time I was doing that research, Zillica was doing their, they had a community thing with Binance, uh, who was also early. They won some contests and they were listed for free. Uh, and, and that's when I bought in about a month after the ICO, a month or two after the ICO. Very cool. Yeah, I, I've been involved in the space since probably 2014. And at first it was just Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But I think I was too young to really understand the value of how that could change the world. Uh, a, a solid form of money that, you know, we can't How old are you? Fake. I'm 33. And, okay. And so I was still in a phase of just like, I don't care. You know, money, money messes up the world, right? And, and so I, I appreciated Bitcoin, but I didn't really get it until I learned about Ethereum. And then I learned about smart contracts. And that was in 2016. And Ethereum, you know, was $8. And I was like, okay, you know, I have a little money. I'll get some yeah. Ethereum. And, you know, and uh, but uh, smart contracts were what really got me into crypto. Because I thought, this is cool. This is something that people can hold on to. We can bring communities together. Yeah. We can start businesses such as yours. And I didn't really get it with Bitcoin. It didn't really make it click for me, the, the, the results we could have as a society if we decentralize everything. So Ethereum was it for me. And then over the years, we've had this vision for the Pele project. And you know, we were trying to just kind of lay it out, like, what will this look like? How can we make an ecosystem for mass media that doesn't have a centralized point of, you know, profits and, and influence, which is what we see now and how we learn about the world. It's all centralized. And so there's profit bias and there's, there's motives everywhere to manipulate the audiences. So I thought decentralization could solve this. But 
it's, it's, it's not an easy problem. So forever we were just trying to figure it out. And then my buddy Cameron, uh, he, he's an engineer looking for a blockchain to kind of call home. And he, he messed around with a bunch. Same ones I was looking into to invest in, but I don't understand the technology as well. And then we found Zilliqa and realized like, this is it. And the way that they don't go out into the wild to do all this hype marketing and, you know, they're not the next Cardano or, or, or Matic and they're not these ma this mainstream cryptocurrency really resonates. I, 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 I'm down with that. It makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. This is a good place to be. It's, it's people who are yeah. here to make something happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and being, being here for as long as I have, uh, watching it all unfold, watching, you know, the, the, the previous bull market and then in the mm -hmm. subsequent bear market sell off and, and the community's response to those things and some of the, the different controversies and, and everything else and the complaints, all of that stuff is, is uh, just noise that is in the way of what's really happening is this, this revolutionary, revolutionary tech is being built right before our eyes. It's going to take some time. You know, guys are still ratcheting these uh, wrenches and tightening the bolts and whatnot. Exactly. Um, but the revolution has already begun. And we are all early enough to not just buy tokens and ride off of the success of those who build, but come in and build up ourselves and that's what really excited me when i understood smart contracts i don't know how to code i'm not a programmer i tried to teach myself and i you know i can hello world yeah. <laughs> and then that was about it my, my i was i was just too far gone um but i understood very quickly that that decentralized ledger technology or distributed ledger technology is is the future it's the future of data sharing and and, and value sharing um and so we can get in on the ground level we can have a lot of success and who better to do it with with the company that scale or with a project protocol that's scalable um the sharding technology can linearly scale as we grow as you pelly network grows and package portal grows it's going to co cost a lot of transaction fees uh and it's got to happen fast and so zilliqa was the best fit and I'm, I'm i'm happy that they're continuing to develop like they are it's a good place to experiment Ethereum's too expensive yeah. to, to mess around and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You cannot waste any any uh, value capital right. on Ethereum whatsoever. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can jump into the meat of why I thought this could be a really valuable conversation, not just for myself, but for the greater community. So how are you running a blockchain token? Did you do a launch? Do you sell them? How does it work as far as the eyes of the SEC? Have you had any contact with them has it been smooth Lay yeah, we've out. had no contact yeah we've had no contact with the sec uh we don't we don't need to go knocking on their doors but if they come knocking on ours then we feel very prepared to give any answers or responses that are necessary because of the steps that we have taken we did a lot of due diligence and research at the beginning before ever crafting a token initially we thought we might not even need a token we could just leverage the smart contracts and triggering on-chain action and, and, and that, but uh, in order to, in, again, incentivize, like mechanisms exist for people to give ratings and feedback, there's no incentive. Uh, and, and that's what we were building, so the tokens became necessary and they become a unit of measure. Uh, not just, you know, buy these because you think they'll go up, but these represent your data, your scans and action. This is a, a unit of measure and we can uh, reward and track and all these different aspects that, that, that are enabled because of the token. 
Um, so the utility of the token was key, right? That was number one. Uh, and then not selling ever to any sort of U.S. investor or otherwise. Hmm. Um, we've never sold to any direct human being. Uh, no, no OTC. It's all been done with the smart contract. So it's all decentralized. We are not effectively. We're not selling tokens at all. We're just swapping them. We're trading the tokens that that we have for another token, and then we can sell those. Uh, and then we need to pay taxes on those. Uh, and what we did uh, ourselves actually, I should back up. The team, when we went full time, uh, actually a couple months before we went full time, everybody was on put on payroll. We have full HR. We have uh, uh, the full payroll taxes and services set up, so that as we make money from any token gains that we had, you know, we didn't do a, we didn't do an ILO. We didn't do a Zylo didn't exist. We didn't do a ICO. We didn't do any of that. What we did was created a liquidity pool and then added value. And as people bought, because the volume was low, as people bought, the price would raise and then we could sell into that buy pressure and keep the price stable. Uh, but the profits that we got from that, we would reinvest back into the pool. So, you know, it was around a dollar. It would go up to a dollar fifteen, a dollar twelve, a dollar twenty, uh, and we would sell and get it right back down to a dollar until we exhausted the limited supply that we had established for that purpose in the beginning in the white paper. It was a hundred thousand tokens, and that was the bootstrapping of the liquidity that we needed. We didn't need to to do anything further. Uh, it's not flawless, you know, because some guys could come in there with a low volume of the pool. Some whales came in there and scooped it up and then drove the price up and, and, and some manipulation was able to be had. So I think the industry at, at large is still trying to figure out fair launch. I think Xylo is doing a really good job with it. Um, so can I ask but, you? Can I can ask I feel, you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just really curious about this liquidity pool method because I've heard of this before, but I, I understand little. I mean, I play with liquidity pools as a as a, I guess, consumer, right? To get a, some kind of yield, but uh, to actually put a coin in to get it launched through a liquidity pool, is th that's how you got like the capital liquidity to, to build? Or that's, is that to where the- To a degree, the... well, so, yeah, so we, so we, we took $1,000 of our own money and 1,000 port tokens because our, our token port is valued at $1 internally. Externally, what the market does, we have no control over. Internally, you can redeem that port for $1 or more, but that's the threshold. So we established and we launched at that ratio. So what I think it was like at the time, it was 13,000 something zil and 1,000 port that we put into that pool. So the way liquidity, pool work, liquidity pools work is uh, on a scale. So as people would buy the port, they're putting more zeal in and taking port out. Now the ratio changes, the price just went up. And then we go in and put more port back in and take that zeal out to stabilize the price. Then that zeal that we took out, our profits, we would take more port from our supply that we had from treasury and put that back in. So we didn't take any profits, we just reinvested. As people bought the token, you can take that money and put it right back into the pool so it grows, it grows, and it grew up to, you know, 20,000, then 30,000, and then 40,000. And that, that took a number of months. That took, ah, man, I can't, I can't recall. I think it was about four months uh, to get to 40,000, 50,000. Uh, I think it was about $40,000. So it'd be $40,000 uh, in, in Zill and 40,000 port. The pool at the time was $40,000 in, in uh, well, 
it was forty thousand dollars in liquidity. So there was a hundred thousand tokens. People had bought tokens and they were keeping them in, in their wallets. So everything that was going back into the pool, some of it was t- was taken out to go to people's wallets who purchased it. So in that pool, when we had exhausted our supply of one hundred thousand tokens, there was forty thousand dollars worth, or it must have been eighty thousand dollars worth in that pool. But now our our our, our supply for that process for keeping it stable at a dollar had exhausted again in the white paper from the jump it was it was listed and so people just didn't really calculate that we knew that once that 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 uh veil was lifted then the price would get really dynamic the market value would get really dynamic because we were not able to we we, we stopped selling into that buy pressure then it was just organic market action people were buying the token but the liquidity pool was still so small. 40,000, 80,000 is not enough to absorb big, big buys without heavy slippage. And a heavy slippage is what you want to avoid. That's why there are so many incentives uh, on indexes. That's why Zwap exists, so that you can increase the, the pool for ZillSwap, uh, the Zwap token itself, and, and reduce slippage so people can buy and transact. You need to have liquidity. And so as we just reinvested, once we ran out of that, that, that token, that supply, it kind of blew up. And it went up in, in a matter of three weeks, I think it was a, over $100. And it stayed at around $115 for two weeks or so. Uh, and then it's, it's been moving back down ever since. And it's stabilized, it seems, at around $3. But that was able to give us, so we were, as we were selling into that buy pressure, there was a, a particular whale, a few particular whales, on the run up to $100 who were just buying, buying. They, they might have drove the price up to two or $300 if we did not sell into that. And selling into that is what gave us the capital that we needed to, to have runway as a startup. Now we've got you know 18 to 24 months of, of, of capital to pay salaries, operational overhead, and, and everything else. Hell yeah, cool. And the, 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 the port tokens being used inside the app, do they have a relation to the, to the liquidity pool? Or are the people that are buying yeah. it using it in the app later? Well, maybe a quick history lesson is, is due. So in the beginning, if you scan the package, you would get port, the port token, P-O-R-T. But as people were buying that token and people were scanning that token, the incentives were, were misaligned. Uh, those who were earning it, when the price ran up to $100, they don't care about saving it or earning They want to dump it. They want to sell it. And so those who are buying it, now, now we're at odds. And we have 7 million tokens that were allotted for uh, earning and you know 100,000 tokens in the liquidity pool. So it would have just been an infinite dump. And, and because of some other factors, we had a plan that was accelerated. Our secondary token export was, was released. We've, it was in the white paper again from the beginning. We just accelerated that. And what that enables is now if you scan a package, you earn export. And there's a 10 to 1 supply difference there. So, or I'm sorry, uh, I think it's 1,000 to 1. Uh, 100 to 1, 100 to 1 supply difference. So now you earn export, and then you can convert that export into port. And port has a market value, export does not. We did not list export on any exchange, and we kind of keep it siloed away internally. So you can scan and you can earn export. And then you can convert that export into port, and then you can sell the port or save the port or do whatever you like, pool it, stake it, that's coming, that sort of thing. And then that also enables us to do a lot as far as integrating with, with other merchants that we're in talks with because now 
that export that is earned can be swapped for, you know, a makeup token or a retailer token that they create or we create for them or off-chain rewards and that sort of thing. The swap contract now is uh, is coming into play. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Oof, yeah. Uh, is this laid out in the white paper? In <laughs> It is. Yeah. It okay. Is, yeah. Great. That'll be great to visualize because I'm. Yeah. There's certain little concepts that I still have to kind of leap across to to fully comprehend. Here. Yeah. You're drinking from the fire hose right now. Yeah. It's a quick history <laughs> lesson of, yeah. of of how it all went down. Yeah. So so we we pivoted and and now port. You can go and buy port. You can LP it for more rewards. It's a it's a governing token of the protocol, but the unique factor is that merchants who want to access our scan data. Uh, in order to do so, they have to have what we're calling like a perpetual license, which is port. They have to go in from the open market, acquire port, and then hold it uh, in order to view the data that they want to view. They will also still pay us a fee, a monthly fee, but as, a, as like an annual, not an annual, but a, an you know, initial startup fee, they need to go and buy port. So it's beneficial for them to do so early. Mm. Well, right now, when the, when the market value has decreased, because they can not only acquire what they need for their scan ratios, but they can also potentially sell to their competitors in the future. Um, so is, is, is port capped, the supply? Yeah. It is. Yeah, 10 million hard cap. There is no more, yeah. Okay. So we were looking at an SEC no action letter recently. And one of the, well, we don't know if the, you know, the priority of, you know, the, the reasons, but one of those reasons why there was no action on this, I think it was an airline charter, they have their token, and it's always a dollar. And one of the reasons it got away as being a utility token is because there was no cap, meaning on any market, no matter what you do with it, it could be infinite. So it would all just boil down to some kind of trust between the buyer of the token and the, the distributor, the, the, the startup, that, you know, one day this could be valuable, yet you're not allowed to market it that way. So essentially, when there's no cap, obviously, you know, the technology can't speak for itself. The contract can't speak for itself, which is why uh, everyone loves these decentralized systems, because they're trustless. So when you have mm -hmm. an uncapped supply, it means there has to be trust, which makes it, you know, better in the eyes of the law for some reason. <laughs> that gives it the utility. Uh, but it sounds like it sounds like uh, you cover all the other basics. So internally, it's always one dollar on your platform. Yeah. So and that's that, that's subject to change and evolve because the price skyrocketed so fast. We did not anticipate that. We, we, we thought that, you know, market value might increase potentially. We never communicated that. We never told anybody ever on any documentation to ever or verbally to go and buy tokens. We said that this is how you can earn them if you want to. If you do buy them, this is how you can LP them. So we were very cautious with our language. You want to be sure to, to you know, never uh, insinuate, imply, or otherwise infer that somebody should go and buy your tokens for gain, even right. if it's you know, not speculative gain, but yields. Uh, mm -hmm. They can, you know, it's, it's implied. People know if you're going to buy tokens, then you can go and do this DeFi. You can, you can go DeFi, you can ape in, degen, do whatever you would like, uh, but we are not going to be the voice to encourage such, we will educate and, and uh, try to be there and, and help people along the way. But until the SEC and, and FINRA and, and all these other agencies give us more clarity on what we can encourage and how we can communicate, then we just want to stay as silent as possible and focus on the earning aspect 
uh, this is what you do to acquire the, the, the token by earning it. There's no there's no money involved. Right. Even so, if you buy the token, we're not a, a money service business that's like a bank that needs to be regulated and have the KYC because we don't convert fiat into crypto. Yeah. Now, this new infrastructure bill, that's that's a little bit scary. And you've seen the drama unfold, I'm, I'm sure, because what it means is that every transaction needs to have a 1099 attached, a tax form attached. So that's just ridiculous. I think it'll get changed and amended over the next year because otherwise everything is moving away offshore. It's America a, it's impossible to comply. You either shut down or you leave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not even possible. It's not even yeah, technologically impossible. So exactly that. Shut down or leave. And we don't want to do either. Uh, but we would not do the former. We will do the latter if we need to. Um, but for the, for the time being, I think that because of the lack of clarity, you know, startups like ours can can just take baby steps, peek through the fog and, and uh, stay within the guidelines that are laid forth and then just try to comply with everything that is out there. Um, as best as possible, and, and and you know just just put that good faith foot forward, and uh, I think eventually these regulators and legislators are going to come around because they're just not educated. As 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 we as an industry educate them, and they become more enlightened into you know distributed ledger technology, and not just oh it's money laundering, it's thieves, <laughs> you know hiding hiding their transactions. They can do that with cash. With fiat, much better than crypto. You got, I mean, you know, the, uh, yeah. the $600 million hacker, everybody saw his wallet. And, you know, eventually we can find people on, on chain. So just try to play by the rules and, and uh, hope that these guys get it right. But we can educate them along the way. So you mentioned earning as a way of getting the tokens out there because it's not any kind of purchase or potential investment. Would you put airdrops in that same category? Yeah, airdrops are, are it's, it's kind of a convoluted subject, I think, because airdrops traditionally are frowned upon by regulators. You just, you're just giving away tokens, you know, if they have value. Um, earning, I guess, I guess it comes down to how you earn, you know, really the mechanism of, of what you do. If there's an action involved. Than, than you're earning. An airdrop, in my opinion, an airdrop right. is just, hey, unsolicited, like somebody knocking on your front door trying to sell you, you know, a, a new home alarm system that's broken. I don't care. Don't no, no soliciting. Do not come to my front door. That's what an airdrop is in my mind. Um, and then, if, you know, if, if you see a strange token show up in your wallet, I get a little suspicious. I don't know you. Why did you send that token? So we don't like the airdrops that much. Uh, we did have to, I guess, fundamentally or, or technically airdrop our tokens to a lot of our users because our smart contract got bogged down because of the influx of volume. We, our throughput was just was just bad. And, and the Zillica, it wasn't just ours. It was the Zillica API. We were hammering that API, and it was causing other network issues with the, with, with the, with the blockchain itself, similar to what happened with, uh, uh, what was Zillwall, Zillpaint? Mm, um, yeah. With their memory issue, we were causing some other issues, I believe, with you know just just speed of transactions because we were constantly hitting that that API as we were being DDoSed ourselves. Uh, I think I got off topic. I forgot why I was uh, even that, mentioning. Yeah, that. I thought the connection went out for a second. No, we're good. Uh, yeah, I think airdrops. Yeah, that's how I always knew them as well. Super annoying, unsolicited, kind of almost like phishing. 
But then I feel like recently airdrops have a new connotation where it's like if you got involved with this NFT series or if you earned this certain badge in our community, you'll be one of the first of this airdrop. And like there's all, you know, complicated incentives. And so that's kind of what I think of now. Kind of the same way, like, hey, if you participate in our platform that is all on, you know, PHP, for example, it's it's not really using blockchain, but as soon as we get the blockchain decentralized token going, you're going to be first on the list for an airdrop of tokens because you because you earned the you did the action on our platform. Right. That kind right. Of thing. And that, that's the difference, I think. That, that That's good. In my mind, that's a little bit different. That's not unsolicited. Somebody went out and got the token and they signed up. They're a part of the platform. They and the gave protocol. us their address. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like uh, the Elon's token. And, and, and you, you guys are doing something similar, correct? Uh, well, Pelly Network. Yeah, well, what we're working on is more of an ecosystem of, of reputation and like project trading. So it's going to be a little system where you say you got a video you want to make or any kind of content, really. And you need to find a little funding. You might need to have a team, you know, a video editor. Uh, you, you would use Pele to, to put all that together. And in order to incentivize the team or, you know, investors, patrons, you, uh, you make what we call a PFT, which is just a fungible token with a hundred cap. There's just a hundred of them. So it's 1%. Mm-hmm. You give them all over the place. And then as you're building the project, as you're producing it, you can use them as raffle tickets. You can use them as tickets to an auction. Mm-hmm. You could use them as uh, get on the list for a party we're having in the hills. Uh, anything, really. So it's up to the creator to market them creatively. So ideally, the, the PFT then, while they were being distributed in the beginning or given at a price, then... There's a little market where you can sell them for more to people that want to come in later. And then eventually they all expire. So there's something you need in the moment and then they're going to be burned at the deadline. And uh, at that stage, like at that stage, the creator could make some kind of agreement saying, hey, if you still have one at the end, you're going to get a 1% royalty. We're going to put this on YouTube and you get some of the monetization revenue or we're going to mint it into a badge for you so that your profile can have this reputation that said you contributed things like this. So where where our token comes in is it binds it all together. I'm like you, I'd rather not have a token. We don't need another altcoin on the market, but it helps bind a community. It helps make these incentives and it, it helps uh, link together these kind of more temporary tokens with the greater blockchain atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think there's a tug of war uh, within the minds of developers like you and I, where we, exactly what you just said. We don't necessarily want a bunch of other altcoins out there in the market yeah. if we can avoid it. But I, I also feel that that's the only way, you know, um, when Walmart gets into e-commerce and tokenization, they're going to have their own token. Amazon will be the same thing. Facebook will be the same thing. Everybody's going to have, companies will have their own tokens. And, and what needs to happen is that they all need to be able to be interoperable. And that's what I think you know, the Polychain Network is, is working towards and, and Cosmos and some other ones where blockchains can be communicating with each other, interacting with each other. Um, and then it doesn't matter if, you know, you have a port token or a PFT or this or that. Uh, they can all be funneled into the same phones, the same devices and, and measure value, you know, and do what they need to do. Uh, they don't all need to be on the market, though, publicly traded. I think that's the differentiation is that you can have a token and they can be measurable. They can be um, 
they can do a number of different things. But when if you monetize it, that's when it gets just more difficult, you know. And and many times people monetize it legitimately. I think that there's a, a million cases in which you should and and ought to go for that. Create a fungible token, make it, give it market value, put it into the market, let it be traded open and publicly. Uh, but there's a number of other factors that would lead you to not need to do that. So we have three tokens, technically, Package Portal does. One of them is for the future when we run out of the previous supplies. Hmm. The three different tokens gives us three different supplies. So Port being the governing token is a small 10 million. Uh, export is 100 million. And then Import, which comes after that, will be 10 billion. I love it. Uh, cool. and, and the market, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, 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 the latter two do not have market value. They will not be publicly traded. Because we don't need three coins out there traded like, you know, Theta and T-Fuel are both publicly traded. And there's a number of other ones, um, not, not to disparage them at all, but that's just the example of these two that are synergistic, both publicly traded. We don't need that. Uh, so your PFT, if that entitles users to other things, you know, you can have a, a secondary token that's on the market. Uh, or you can just keep it privatized and internal. And yeah, I think exactly. having a combination of both is pretty cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. It links it all together because the PFT doesn't need to be anywhere else. There's no reason for it, but it acts as a good marker for for interest in a project mm -hmm. inside of our ecosystem, and then from there can that's spring true. all these reputational badges and points and weighting systems. So cool, very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that definitely covers uh, most everything I at least remember that I wanted to talk to you about and more. Uh, so for anyone that is unfamiliar, how, what is the website for Package Portal? PackagePortal.com. PackagePortal.com, easy. And the white paper's on there? PackagePortal.com. Say it again? The white paper can be found on there? Yeah, yeah. Docs.PackagePortal.com, I believe the white pa paper okay. is uploaded there. Uh, it's you know big tab on the on the website, and uh, we got some other some blogs you can find you can read through. You can reach out to us on you know Twitter or uh, Telegram. Lots of information. We just did a live stream yesterday that was pretty uh, exhaustive over like status updates, where we are, where we're moving with Chase Raz. You can find that on our Twitter cool. uh, or TZO or our uh, our YouTube also package portal. All right. And, I'll be uh, checking out more Pelly Network too. I'm I'm excited to see what you guys do with that. The uh, reputation factor is 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 big. I think I think there's a few players trying to trying to come at that angle uh, from different vantage points, and I think they're all viable and they all provide value to the end user. And so I'm excited to see that get ramped up and see people get you know people that are outside of the bitcoin maxis and eth maxis and and day traders and all of that i'm excited to see people get excited about crypto whether it's nfts or you know penguins and and, and crypto punks and all that stuff is is not really my thing but when people begin to use crypto and engage with distributed ledger technology at the core not even just crypto but engage with the technology I think it's good for this space as a whole because it just ushers in the new era that's already on its way. Right on. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, one last one, one last little question. Do you have internal legal counsel or do you have uh, any like uh, firms you recommend for this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So when we were initially doing our, uh, our research, our legal research, 
we found that Wyoming, the reason we, we you're, you're also in Wyoming, yes? Yeah, we're a, we're a Dow in Wyoming, actually. Dow Limited. Right, right, <laughs> Wyoming Dow. So yeah. we're a Wyoming incorporation and or corporation. And we did that because the legislation there, even as early as 2019, 2018, uh, they have a blockchain coalition. I heard about that. I did some research. Caitlin Long is out of there. And uh, the coalition was doing a lot of good work legislatively. I think that, that, that they had a good, strong hand in some of the progress that was made in the last 24 months. But having seen that, we decided to uh, incorporate there. And one of the guys that was in the blockchain coalition, I just ran through the list of names and reached out to everybody. And uh, uh, Matthew Kaufman, YKO, is our legal firm. So, so one of the legislator, one of the legal, one of the lawyers who helped craft the legislation that went forward in in the house in uh, mm -hmm. uh, through Wyoming. He is our lawyer. Oh, very. Cool. He's on retainer. Yeah, yeah. We pay him handsomely. Uh, it's not cheap. Lawyers are not cheap, but they. Uh, it's more expensive to not have legal counsel. Right, right. And you were saying you was it the Wyoming Secretary of State you just met with? Yeah, yeah. The beginning about a month ago, uh, the beginning of July, we sat down with the, not the Secretary of State, the person, but their office, and there was three or four people on the call. Uh, really, the the decision makers. I'm told the ones that that filtered through all of the fluff and then, and then, you know, prepare the documentation for the secretary, just John Hancock. Uh, but it went very well. Surprisingly, surprisingly, uh, they were super encouraged by how we went about things. They said that we were the most clear cut case of a uh, utility token uh -huh. uh, that they had come across because the state of Wyoming, you can, you, you can look in, into it as well. They have a, a utility token exemption, which means, you can get exempted from all sorts of things if you file for that application. Nobody has actually filed yet. Uh, we are we are potentially set to be the first. Um, and then the SEC no action letter. We spoke to that on the live stream yesterday as well. Like you know, it's possible you can do it. It's sort of the SEC saying, build what you'd like. We approve. We're not going to come after you for two years. Uh, but that's limited to the to the U.S. Number one, and there's an expiration date. So. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a, a fix all. But that, uh, what, what you just mentioned, wasn't that uh, like something proposed that may or may not even be, you know, passed the two year grace period, what's that? The, the grace period for utility tokens? No, no. I believe if you get a no action letter from the SEC approved, then it gives you two years to build what you want to, you know, subject uh, to rules and regulations that exist already but they will not come after you. They, they will not seek any sort of injunctions um, unless you egregiously violate existing laws, you know. So you but can, again, it's limited to the U.S. Okay, so you just apply for that beforehand, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they're hard to get. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of legalese. There's fees attached. So... I, our lawyer is telling us, you know, we'll put it on the back burner for right now. That's not that's not the the trump card that you want. Right. Uh, the the uh, the utility token exemption within Wyoming, that's good to pursue. I would encourage you to do so, because it has reciprocity with 22 other states, I believe. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's that's better than one, but it's still <laughs> not even the entire nation. No. And if you had an SEC no action letter, that's federal. So that covers the, 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 the entire nation. However, it covers nothing outside of that. 
So you still got to stay within the global acceptance of of how to operate with this, you know, this token and liquidity and investors and and all of these different factors when financial and digital collide. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you for your for sharing your wisdom, <laughs> your experience. And it's, sure, sure. it's really cool to learn about package portal. I'm going to uh, I'm going to try to start using it. <laughs> I'm going to see how uh, how I can earn some rewards and hopefully get inspired by it. And I also think that's what's super important about all of these ecosystems is, you know, we got to use this technology we believe in, even if it's for these reasons we don't quite understand or we quite we don't quite think it like fits into our everyday lives. Like, let's just take yeah. a look. That's what I'll do. Yeah, absolutely. Take a look. Explore a little bit. You might find something you like. Cool. JG, thank you very much. And um, yeah, I'm going to look forward to that, uh, to watching that what you did with Chase yesterday. Sounds super informative. Okay, yeah, check that out. Happy to jump on again with you in the future and and, and help you you as you guys move this. We're on this journey together, man. All we can do is link arms and, and take steps each at a time, you know, together, moving forward together. Here, here. So good luck to you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Accordion Robots from Outer Space.